Hello, world. I'm Roger Corville, and this is For the Hope's Daily Audio Bible, where we read through the scriptures conversationally, talk about the truth claims of Christianity, and learn to fall more in love with Jesus and the people in his world. You ready? Let's roll. Welcome. Yesterday, as we closed out 1 Thessalonians 3, we heard Paul pray a little prayer that asked God to, one, help him visit them, and then he actually prayed something that I pray for you, that they would grow in love and holiness. But there was an important part of that growth in love and holiness that he prayed for them that I think would be useful for us to remember. Hey, Hopeful, welcome to For the Hope's Daily Audio Bible. Good to be back with you behind my regular microphone and on this journey together, reading through every word of God's revelation of himself and considering our own life and work stories in light of that. Apparently, the Thessalonians were doing all right, given how little time that they had been at church, right? They're doing all right at loving one another. Really super important. But Paul prayed that their love must expand beyond the church to include everyone else. And I'll be honest, my friend, sometimes that's not easy, particularly at work or, you know, you fill in the blank there. He continues to share a bit about how to do that today. First 12 verses of chapter 4 coming up. Additionally then, brothers and sisters, we ask and encourage you in the Lord Jesus that as you have received instruction from us on how you should live and please God, as you are doing, do this even more. For you know what commands we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the Lord's will, your sanctification, that you keep away from sexual immorality, that each of you knows how to control his own body in holiness and honor not with lustful passions like the Gentiles who don't know God. This means one must not transgress against and take advantage of a brother or sister in this manner because the Lord is an avenger of all these offenses, as we also previously told and warned you. For God has not called us to impurity, but to live in holiness. Consequently, anyone who rejects this does not reject man, but God who gives you his Holy Spirit. Now about brotherly love, you don't need to, me to write to you because you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. In fact, you are doing this toward all the brothers and sisters in the entire region of Macedonia. But we encourage you, brothers and sisters, to do this even more, to seek to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business, and to work with your own hands as we commanded you, so that you may behave properly in the presence of outsiders and not be dependent on anyone. First Thessalonians 4, 1 through 12. And that's a little bit shorter because we got a little more of the Old Testament stuff to get through today, but I'm just going to put this another way. One of the testimonies, uh, one of the best parts of our testimony to others is to have our own house in order. Stick around, actually, to our closing wisdom segment for one other critical way to do that, based on the life of David. So, turning to our Old Testament segment today, we hear a wee bit more about David's conquests. And then, as I mentioned yesterday, stuff starts going, yep, 
downhill. First Chronicles chapter 20. In the springs when kings march out to war, Joab led the army and destroyed the Ammonites' land. He came to Rabbah and besieged it, but David remained in Jerusalem. Joab attacked Rabbah and demolished it, and then David took the crown from the head of their king, and it was placed on David's head. He found that the crown weighed 75 pounds of gold, and there was a precious stone in it. In addition, David took away a large quantity of plunder from the city. He brought out the people who were in it and put them to work with saws, iron picks, and axes. And David did the same to all the Ammonite cities. Then he and all his troops returned to Jerusalem. After this, a war broke out with the Philistines at Gezer. At that time, Sibachai the Hushethite killed Sippai, a descendant of the Rephaim, and the Philistines were subdued. Once again, there was a battle between, with the Philistines, and Elhanan, son of Jair, killed Lami, the brother of Goliath of Gath. The shaft of his spear was like that of a weaver's beam. There was still another battle at Gath where there was a man of extraordinary stature with six fingers on each hand and six toes on each foot, twenty-four in all. He, too, was descended from the giant. And when he taunted Israel, Jonathan, son of David's brother Shimei, killed him. These were the descendants of the giant in Gath, killed by David and his soldiers. And that is a very short chapter. That's <laughs> First Chronicles 20. So turning to Second Samuel, picking up in chapter 11. It's going downhill now. In the spring, when kings march out to war, David sent Joab with his officers and all Israel. They destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah, but David remained in Jerusalem. One evening, David got up from his bed and strolled around on the roof of the palace. From the roof, he saw a woman bathing, a very beautiful woman. So David sent someone to inquire about her, and he said, Isn't this Bathsheba, daughter of Eliam and wife of Uriah the Hittite? David sent messengers to get her, and when she came to him, he slept with her. Now she had just been purifying herself from her uncleanness, and afterwards she returned home, and the woman conceived and sent word to inform David, I am pregnant. David sent orders to Joab, send me Uriah the Hittite. So Joab sent Uriah to David, and when Uriah came to him, David asked how Joab and the troops were doing and how the war was going. And then he said to Uriah, go down to your house and wash your feet. So Uriah left the palace and a gift from the king followed him. But Uriah slept at the door of the palace with all his master's servants. He did not go down to his house. When it was reported to David, Uriah didn't go home. David questioned Uriah, haven't you come from a journey? Why didn't you go home? Uriah answered David, the ark, Israel and Judah are dwelling in tents and my master Joab and his soldiers are camping in the open field. How can I enter my house to eat and drink and sleep with my wife? As surely as you live and by your life, I will not do this. Stay here today also, David said to Uriah, and tomorrow I'll send you back. So Uriah stayed in Jerusalem that day and the next. Then David invited Uriah to eat and drink with him, and David got him drunk. and He went out in the evening to lie down on his cot with his master's servants, but he didn't go home. The next morning, David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it with Uriah. 
In the letter he wrote, Put Uriah at the front of the fiercest fighting and then withdraw for him so that he is struck down and dies. When Joab was besieging the city, he put Uriah in the place where he knew the best enemy soldiers were. Then the men of the city came out and attacked Joab, and some of the men from David's soldiers fell in battle. Uriah the Hittite also died. Joab sent someone to report to David all the details of the battle, and he commanded the messenger, When you've finished telling the king all the details of the battle, if the king's anger gets stirred up and he asks you, Why did you get so close to the city to fight? Didn't you realize that they would shoot from the top of the wall? At Thebes, who struck Abimelech, son of Jerubasheth? Didn't a woman drop an upper millstone on him from the top of the wall so that he died? Why did you get so close to the wall? Then you should say, Your servant Uriah the Hittite is dead also. And then the messenger left. When he arrived, he reported to David all that Joab had sent him to tell. The messenger reported to David, The men gained the advantage over us and came out against us in the field, but we counterattacked right up to the entrance of the city gate. However, the archers shot down on your servants from the top of the wall, and some of the king's servants died. Your servant Uriah the Hittite is also dead. David told the messenger, Say this to Joab, Don't let this matter upset you because the sword devours all alike. Intensify your fight against the city and demolish it. Encourage him. When Uriah's wife heard that her husband Uriah had died, she mourned for him. When the time of mourning ended, David had her brought to his house. She became his wife and bore him a son. However, the Lord considered what David had done to be evil. So the Lord sent Nathan to David. When he arrived, he said to him, There were two men in a certain city, one rich and the other poor. And the rich man had very large flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing except one small ewe lamb that he had bought. He raised her, and she grew up with him and with his children. And from his meager food she would eat, and from his cup she would drink, and in his arms she would sleep. She was like a daughter to him. Now a traveler came to the rich man, but the rich man could not bring himself to take one of his own sheep or cattle to prepare for the traveler who had come to him. Instead, he took the poor man's lamb and prepared it for the guest. David was infuriated with the man and said to Nathan, As the Lord lives, the man who did this deserves to die. Because he has done this thing and shown no pity, he must pay four lambs for that lamb. And Nathan replied to David, You are the man. And this is what the Lord God of Israel says, I anointed you king over Israel, and I rescued you from Saul. I gave you your master's house and your master's wives into your arms, and I gave you the house of Israel and Judah, and if that was not enough, I would have given you even more. Why then have you despised the Lord's command by doing what I consider evil? You struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword and took his wife as your own. You murdered him with the Ammonite's sword. Now, therefore, the sword will never leave your house because you despised me and took the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your own wife. This is what the Lord says. I'm going to bring disaster on you from your own family. I will take your wives and give them to another before your very eyes, and he will sleep with them in broad daylight. You acted in secret, but I will do this before all Israel in broad daylight. And David responded to Nathan, I've sinned against the Lord. Then Nathan replied to David, And the Lord has taken away your sin. You will not die. 
However, because you treated the Lord with such contempt in this matter, the son born to you will die. And then Nathan went home. The Lord struck the baby that Uriah's wife had uh, born to him, and he became deathly ill. David pleaded with God for the boy. He fasted, went home, and spent the night lying on the ground. The elders of his house stood beside him to get up from the ground, but he was unwilling and would not eat anything with them. On the seventh day, the baby died, but David's servants were afraid to tell him that the baby was dead. They said, look, while the baby was alive, we spoke to him and he wouldn't listen to us. So how can we tell him the baby is dead? He may do something desperate. When David saw that his servants were whispering to each other, he guessed that the baby was dead. So he asked his servants, is the baby dead? He is dead, they replied. Then David got up from the ground. He washed, anointed himself, changed his clothes, and went to the Lord's house and worshipped. Then he went home and requested something to eat, and so they served him food, and he ate. And his servants asked him, why, why have you done this? While the baby was alive, you fasted and wept, but when you died, when he died, you got up and ate food. And he answered, when the baby was alive, I fasted and wept because I thought, who knows, the Lord may be gracious to me and let him live. But now that he's dead, why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I'll go to him, but he will never return to me. Then David comforted his wife Bathsheba. He went to her and slept with her, and she gave birth to a son and named him Solomon. The Lord loved him and sent a message through the prophet Nathan, who named him Jedidiah because of the Lord. Joab fought against Rabbah of the Ammonites and captured their royal fortress. Then Joab sent messengers to David to say, I have fought against Rabbah and have also captured its water supply. Now therefore assemble the rest of the troops, lay siege to the city and capture it. Otherwise I will be the one to capture the city and it will be named after me. So David assembled all the troops and went to Rabbah. He fought against it and captured it. He took the crown from the head of the king and it was placed on David's head. And that crown weighed 75 pounds of gold, and it had a precious stone in it. In addition, David took away a large quantity of plunder from the city. He removed the people who were in the city and put them to work with saws, iron picks, and iron axes, and to labor at brickmaking. He did the same to all the Ammonite cities, and then he and all the troops returned to Jerusalem. And that is uh, 2 Samuel 11 and 12. My friends, today's wisdom segment, you probably even guessed it if you've been around this Bible thing for any period of time, is Psalm 51, which is the psalm that David wrote. In fact, here's the superscription actually in the Hebrew text says, for the choir director, a psalm of David when the prophet Nathan came to him after he had gone to Bathsheba. And my friends, this kills me. Because kind of like David, I lived a life of war. Not literal war. My friends, we all have a past. And the accuser would love to accuse you about whoever you were or weren't in years gone by. But hear this. This psalm is one of those that that honestly just 
should grip us. And in today's Always Be Ready segment, I want you to, I'm going to just go a little more into this and I'm going to reread it with a few notes and comments from a time that I preached through it. It's not going to be a sermon. I'm going to just reread it and keep it shorter. But I want you to own this because this is God's word and his heart for you. Psalm 51. Be gracious to me, God, according to your faithful love. According to your abundant compassion, blot out my rebellion. Completely wash away my guilt and cleanse me from my sin. For I am conscious of my rebellion, and my sin is always before me. Against you, and you alone, I have sinned and done this evil in your sight. So you are right when you pass sentence. You are blameless when you judge. Indeed, I was guilty when I was born. I was sinful when my mother conceived me. Surely you desire integrity in the inner self, and you teach me wisdom deep within. Purify me with hyssop, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Turn your face away from my sins and blot out all my guilt. God, create a clean heart for me and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence or take away your Holy Spirit from me. Restore the joy of your salvation to me and sustain me by giving me a willing spirit. Then, then I will teach the rebellious your ways and sinners will return to you. Save me from the guilt of bloodshed, God, God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. You do not want a sacrifice or I would give it. You are not pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifice pleasing to God is a broken spirit. You will not despise a broken and humbled heart, God. In your good pleasure, cause Zion to prosper. Build the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in righteous sacrifices, whole burnt offerings. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. Psalm 51. Lord God, may we all just recognize that it is you who are to be glorified. It is you who cleans us up. Lord, I pray that someone here struggling with something today will just recognize or recognize again Becoming a living sacrifice that is pleasing to you is their own broken spirit that you don't despise a broken and humbled heart. Lord, I need that too. Help us to do that together. I love you, my friends. Amen.
Amen.